Unlike its competition, Hawksoft definitely treats all of its users as people, as individuals. We're not just a number. Hawksoft listens to us. Hawksoft takes our suggestions and makes them a reality for us. Hawksoft is constantly looking to update its system and make it work better for us. My name is Melena Farrell from Cedar Risk Management, and this is why I chose Hawksoft. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksoft. Gotta love Hawksoft. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All-American, rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. Bradley, I cannot wait to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. And when them so well, they just call that. and they say, we'll we that. got to watch you do that, we're going to schedule <laughs> 11 podcasts in one day. We're going to start at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, let's do it. And live view all of it on it's like good. facebook instagram we, we might bring two we might have two or three of you in here that day that's going to be amazing we'll have two or three of you might people have two or three of you, you videographers so bradley you have to go pick the boy up today we need a nanny now okay, I think we might have found one okay we had somebody apply last night mobile college like girl uh yeah i'll yeah. be down yeah what's so, your criteria like don't be a psychopath and- can they be a day drinker um Depends on what they're drinking. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Do they have to have driver's driver's license? No, no driving required. Are, are you just as long are, as they got reliable transportation? I don't care how they get there. Are you a little uh, trust tree here? Nobody's going to hear yeah. this. Yeah. Is there any? Is there a little bit of a gun shy thing going on about hiring maybe a seventy year old that that lives at a retirement home? No, not okay. at all. Okay. Not at all. I would actually prefer that. Okay. 
because you know younger younger babysitters they got stuff going on sure. they want to go to the hangout they want to go to yeah your kid uh, your kids in there eating the damn dawn dishwashing detergent while they're looking at tiktok on their phone kind of thing yeah i get it or talking to that the actually boyfriend. happened yesterday so you didn't know this but yesterday what we had a new babysitter keeping him yesterday and i had my phone up all day watching mm-hmm. on my camera and mm-hmm. i texted laurel because i didn't have her number and i st- the babysitter's number and i said i noticed the baby gate was open to the kitchen Uh-oh. and i said please make sure she knows he can't be in the kitchen by himself because literally everything that could kill him is under the sink sure and that's exactly where he goes, mm. of course, every time. And but but he was asleep. But oh. but anyway, yeah, it's a you know our big thing is we just want somebody that has similar values to us mm-hmm. and is trustworthy and is reliable and can kind of keep up with our schedule and mm. and he likes that's mm-hmm. you know so we we've got somebody in mind that I think I think is going to work out. Cool. So ho- knock on knock on wood. Hopefully so, guys. This is like Christmas morning for me, and it's four o'clock in the morning. My dad the night before, right before I go to sleep. He tells me, if you get me out of bed before 6 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going to beat your ass. That's happening. So now it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, and all the presents are under the tree, and I'm just waiting patiently to go in there and see that my black, huffy bicycle is under the tree, and it's got the Santa Claus has put the thing on it that makes it go vroom, vroom like it's a motorcycle. That's that's where I'm at right now with these guests I have on this podcast today. I am super excited about having them. Anytime I get a chance to interview agency owners and people that are that are living it, breathing it every single day, I am a happy, happy man. So without further ado, I've got two guests that I need to introduce today. First and foremost, he's originally from Jackson, Mississippi. He currently resides in Gulfport, Mississippi. He is married to the beautiful Nikki, and they have two beautiful babies, Hayes, age six, and Mason, age four. Guys, do me a favor. Go hug your daddy's neck and tell him how proud you are of him because he's he's accomplished a lot in his life, and you should be very proud of him. He is a graduate of Mississippi State University, has a degree in risk management insurance and financial planning, and currently he is the COO of United Risk Agency. Now then, before I introduce our next guest, well, I guess I need to tell you his name. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you Mr. Kale Merrill. How are you, Kale? Doing good, man. Man, proud to have you here, brother. Next guest on the podcast, honored to have him on the show. He's originally from Gulfport, Mississippi, and he currently resides in Gulfport, Mississippi. He is married to the beautiful Tiffany, and they have a a gaggle, if you will, of children. (laughs) I bet you he knows all about hiring babysitters and nannies. Probably. Hayden, 18, Peyton, 15, Lillian Grace, 13, and Hunter, age 10. Guys, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Go hug your daddy's neck. He works hard every day for y'all to provide a better life for you than he and I both had when we was growing up. I can promise you that. Uh, Go hug his neck and tell him how much you love him. It would mean a lot to me if y'all would go do that for me. He went to school at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and also attended USM. He is the co-founder of United Risk Agency. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you Mr. Russell Wright Taylor. How are you, Russell? Oh, we're doing great, Scott. Bradley, we appreciate y'all having us on the show. Hey, listen, we got a lot to talk about today, but before we do, I want to jump back in my DeLorean here for just a moment, talk to both of you about the agency that you guys, United Risk, been with, started, 
been working on since 2019. Tell me how you got into that and just kind of bring us up to today. I've been in the business about 12 years. I started at a captive uh, for a year, got into the independent insurance agency world about 11 years ago. And uh, prior to starting United Risk, worked at another agency and uh, saw some things I liked, saw some things I didn't, but I love the competition. So uh, I love going out every day and winning policies and customers. Uh, it still excites me. And I'll let Russell tell you a story how we got hooked up. So yeah, we uh, I was working at a roofing company and running um, a couple personal companies that I had a appraisal company, a real estate brokerage and property management company, and real estate photography company, and then working for my father in law at a large roofing company. Uh, sat in some insurance meetings and thought to myself, man, that that seems like a pretty fun job. I figured out his commission and I was like, I think that's what I want to do. Absolutely. I started looking around at some books of business, started looking into one. The accountant was a buddy of mine, told me that there was another guy looking at the same book, told me that we should meet. Called up Kale. We ended up, you know, meeting at a coffee shop that was closed. We sat outside for about three and a half hours and a couple of weeks later, we started United Risk. And what, so here we are. I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. Tell Russell, just let's get right to the story I want you to tell. <laughs> tell Scott, <laughs> tell Scott and the listeners the story of the first piece of business that you wrote and tie it back into what happened last week. All right. So, um, you know, we, uh, I leave the roofing company and I come over to United Risk Agency. Kale's, you know, telling me, talk to everybody I know, tell them what I'm doing, get the word out there. So I'm talking to a guy and uh, end up hearing that he doesn't really appreciate his agent and wants to move over to our company and uh, been friends with them for many, many years. So I do an accord 36. Mm. Uh, AOR. We do an AOR. We bring his policy over. We tell, you know, we talk to him about it, explain it to him exactly what it is. We end up AOR in his his auto, his home, you know, all, all of his policies, get them into our door. You know, they got a couple of days to for the agent to reach back out to them. So their agent decides to give me a call. And he was my Which doesn't happen agent. a lot. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. But at this time, you're thinking, oh, this must happen every time there's an AOR. <laughs> That's what's funny. A hundred percent. I felt terrible. He called me up and told me this is not the way that we do business. This is a terrible practice. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself for doing business. This and, way. and I know you, Russell, you probably were sick to your stomach, weren't you? You probably thought that you like committed heresy. Like I was, I was, <laughs> I was tore up. I mean, I, I walked in Kale's office and said, Kale, I made a mistake. I had somebody that wanted to move their insurance to me and I did an AOR because there was nothing wrong with his policies. He just didn't want to stay with that agent. And Kale was like, Russell, there's nothing wrong with that. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Yeah. And so, you know, a couple of days go by and I still am feeling terrible and I didn't go after any more business. So finally, Kale calls me in his office. It's like, Russell, get in here. So I walk in and he's like, are you still upset about that AOR? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel bad. You know, the agent calls me and tells me how terrible I am. So Kale calls up one of his buddies, another insurance guy gets him on speakerphone and he says, hey, how would you feel if I AOR'd one of your customers from you? And that guy with me standing in the room, he's on speakerphone. He said, man, I would be so mad at myself for not taking care of that customer. Bingo. That is 100% on me. He was like, I'll get you next time. You know, there's going to be some paint rubbing. There's going to be sure. 
there's going to be some times where you pick one up or you lose one, but it's on the agent. You have to put the customer first, not the carriers, not the not anything else. It is all about customers first. And Kale said, that's exactly what I needed you to hear. I've got Russell in here on speakerphone. Let me tell you this story. <laughs> so Kale went into the story with him. So lo and behold, we get the agency up and going. Um, I started AOR and some stuff after that. One of the agents in my office put a sign on my door when I came in one day and called me the AOR and SOB. <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, I kind of got known around the office for doing a whole bunch of AORs. So I bought a new vehicle. I got a new Jeep Gladiator. And when it came in, it was time to get the license tag. So for the license tag, it is AOR and SOB. And I hope every agent sees it and decides that they need to take better care of their customers. Tell Scott, you had to explain to the Mississippi License Commissioner (laughs) what it stood for. So, yes, as soon as I wrote it down, they looked at me and they said, we need you to write down the meaning of that tag. Right. And I looked them straight in the eye without hesitation, without even thinking, and I said, this is for the AOR and school of business. Well, the guy next <laughs> to me, the guy next to me, I knew, and he heard me say it, and he is dying laughing. And I write it down on the paper, and they're like, all right, approved, ready to go. So I have to show these people the school of business and what it's all about. This is kind of a question either or for either one of you. I don't know. Kale, you may want to answer this, but, you know, you guys started the agency in 2019. So that's been 19, 20, 21, about about five years ago. Been a lot of water run under that bridge since 2019. Tell these agents out there listening, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned in that five years that maybe you weren't really counting on when y'all opened your shingle and went out on your own? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I was thinking about it. Uh, with me being in the business for a while now, Scott, I'm kind of, I'm still pretty young, but I'm I'm kind of old school. I'm still stuck in my ways. And having Russell at first, you know, we were brand new, you know, doing whatever we could do every single month. We were scratched, zero policies, zero premium. And we, uh, Russell comes in with all these ideas. The first thing he did when we did this was start listening to y'all's podcast. So we came in and he was like, let's do this and let's do this and let's sign up for these guys and these guys. And I was like, Russell, first thing we got to do, we got to pay rent. We got to pay E&O. You know, we got to do all that. Two years later, you know, we kind of started readdressing some of that stuff. And I'll tell you one of the things with him being a little bit more new school, uh, there's a couple of things I wish we'd have done a lot sooner. I had my way of doing things and it had worked for me. And what works for me doesn't work for Russell. You'll find we are, we go about it the exact opposite way. It works out very well. Uh, I wish we would have tried some of these newer things sooner. And uh, and he's got some some really cool stuff going on right now. He's really taking on. So yeah, one, one thing, you know, well, I certainly wish we would have done a little bit different. I would have maybe heeded uh, someone with a new set of eyes advice a lot sooner. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys. I thought about bringing this up yesterday with Michael and Courtney. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I think the, the old saying is the only type of ship that sinks is a partnership, right? There's for as many good stories of, as there are about partnerships that work. There's about 10 bad stories of partnerships that just fall apart. You know, Scott and I have been in partnership now almost seven years mm-hmm. and have never had any issues with each other. Mm-hmm. It is run as well. As, you Possibly know, could. Yeah. yeah I um, that. And one thing I think that is required for a two person partnership to work very well is you can't have the same strengths. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, I had a psychology professor one time that was speaking to a, a group I was in and she was going through the, I think the Myers-Briggs personality assessments mm-hmm. and she, and she was going through her and her husband's and how completely different they were. And she said, if we were both the same, we wouldn't be necessary. Right. One of us wouldn't be necessary. Right. And I think one thing that makes our partnership work from the business side of things is that we are so different and we both handle different things mm-hmm. and it's, you know, we will report to the other one, mm-hmm. Hey, this is what's going on. But to some degree, we don't really question. No, it's like Scott handles these things. Bradley handles these things and that's his strength and it, and it works. And I think, I think in a lot of successful partnerships, you see that and you guys mentioned you two are so different. So do you have certain things that like, Hey, Russell handles these mm-hmm. things. I don't necessarily question it. Right. And vice versa. Do do you guys have that? Yeah, absolutely. Kale is a uh, black and white numbers guy. Um, You know, he's been, Kale's been the best partner I could have ever imagined. And and just so y'all know this, Kale and I had never met before. Mm. So. Wasn't like y'all were friends for 10 years and then decided to, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And we know all the same people. All of, every, all of his friends I've met, I've known forever. And the same with me. Yeah. We just had never been put together before. So Yeah, Russell's an idea guy, man. Like you said, I'm black and white. You know, I do the books and I do the money and I do all that. And Russell has all these ideas and uh, a way about going about it. And, you know, once we got to a place where we could let him do that, man, it has been fantastic. But, yeah, I mean – we complement each other in a lot of ways. The visionary and the implementer. Yeah. Like in mm-hmm. traction. You know, every every visionary needs an implementer. Every implementer needs a visionary because the visionary without the implementer, nothing will get done. And the implementer without the visionary is just doing the same things over and over and not innovating. So you need both of those pieces. Yeah. Russell, I, I, I'm going to second what you said about Kale. You know, I, I don't think I could ask for a better partner than Bradley. And the one thing I know about partnerships that seems to be kind of a, a general statement but works across every part good partnership I've ever seen is transparency, number one, being able to go to one another and say, you know, I've got this going on or that, that going on, what, whatever it may be, money, whatever. Uh, the second thing is what Bradley said about partnerships seem to work better when I've got these strengths and you've got those strengths. And when we combine them together, it creates something beautiful. And then uh, beyond that, I just think, uh, you know, loving each other. And I, I know we're four guys on this podcast right now, and maybe we shouldn't be, you know, talking touch, touchy feely stuff, but I've always told people, you know, I don't consider Bradley a business partner. I consider him part of my family, like Same. a brother to me. And I think where a lot of partnerships go south, and it is, and I'm, I'm going to explain what I mean in just a second, but, you know, when you don't like somebody or you're not getting along, then that leads to a lack of transparency because you look at your phone and you're like, oh, I don't even want to talk to this person. So then you don't tell them what you really needed to tell them, or you don't say something related to the partnership. And then, and then, and then it becomes kind of like a hamster wheel where things aren't being said. Yeah. Things aren't, things aren't being said that should be said. Transparency's not there. And then that's, and then that ends up not only spiraling out of control, but it also leads to a lot of resentment and some of that resentment gets bottled up. And the next thing you know, somebody's blowing up and, and, and and then it all goes to hell and everybody's in court. And I said all that to say this, 
Bradley wrote down, or I guess one of you wrote down, something on here that I wanted to talk just a little bit about today, about a non-compete agreement. I think that you guys have some experience with that. Mm -hmm. The only reason I'm bringing it up is a lot of these agents out here, agency owners and producers, you've either had an employee sign a non-compete agreement or the producer has signed a non-compete agreement. Maybe they're thinking about going out on their own. If you want to see a fight on Facebook, there's two things you can talk about. If you want to see agents go at each other, number one is like, what is the best AMS system? <laughs> that There will be 16,000 responses to that, and every one of them will be different. There's three things. If I call my customers, is that an E&O exposure for late pays? <laughs> That's the third one, right? Yeah, the E&O uh, call your customer thing. And then the third is like, you know, mention something about a non-compete agreement on a Facebook post, and you get 16,000 responses. And some people are like, oh, they're bullshit. They won't hold up. And some people are like, oh, no. You know, so talk a little bit about the non-compete, non-solicitation stuff. You know, I'll tell you. So I mentioned I was at a prior agency before all this happened. And I uh, I had signed a no-compete, non-solicitation uh, agreement about uh, my employment, two years, 50 miles, all that. And we, Mississippi, you know, and, and these are so different state to state, too. Because a lot of Mississippi's a right to hire, right to fire state. Sure. Uh, very, very favorable laws to the employee. And so I left and uh it was it was the whole thing's been purely vindictive. Uh, you know, when we came in and I still got the folder in my desk, when Russell and I got together, they started leaning on Russell, threatening to sue him. They did sue me. Not once. I mean, this is four years later, not once have they even attempted to show that I actually did take a customer because I didn't. I went so far as I left my own policies at the, you know, the agency that we were sitting at. I left them there. I didn't even move them here or anywhere else. And, you know, we've, we've won along the way. It's the, the no compete. That's hard to do. You can't tell someone they can't go make a living in the field of which they do, but non-solicitation. I mean, I, I don't know about every state, but I know in, in Mississippi, they absolutely have a right to hold that up and can and, you know, we here we don't we don't do that here. We try to create an environment where people want to stay, and we don't have to threaten them by force of everything, you know, to leave. And we've never had anyone leave and go to another agency, you know. And we've been here, you know, four years now. But Russell and I have never had an agreement. Uh, we I tell you this too, and you mentioned this about a partnership. We sat down about a year ago. We did do a partnership agreement that just we got with someone we knew that had done a bunch of them. And we just had all those difficult conversations at once. You know, what happens if I step out and get hit by a truck? Right. Russell, what happens if, you know, you get by a train? So that part's done. Like, we don't have to worry about that anymore either, you know. And I and with a partnership, I think that ma that makes it easier when everything on that side's taken care of. But even even as far as Russell could up tomorrow and be like, hey, I don't want to be here. I'm gone. And I'm not going to sue him or anything. We, that's all spelled out on how that works already. So Right. And just so I'm clear, I believe I remember this right. I think Bradley was telling me, is your case involving your previous employer, who it sounds like, of course, I'm hearing, you know, obviously one side of the story. Right. And I'm sure they have whatever their side of the story is. 
your case is going all the way to the Mississippi Supreme Court, correct? It is. It's sitting out there. We win. Uh, There's a chance this could end up like case law that people study and sure. go by for years, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. So what do they keep hanging their hat on if you've gone so far as to like, for some period of time, even left your own personal policies and they don't have any evidence or anything showing where, you know, you started writing, you know, businesses or people into your book a bit. Like what, what, what are they hanging their hat on? Two things I think really are the big driver here. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, you know, they think that there was some kind of crazy thing with Russell and I on the beginning to get around it and everything like that. Cause you know, I mean, they are an SOB over here. I mean, he AOR <laughs> here and there, you know, right. like he couldn't help it, but, uh, you know, we haven't even been to trial yet. So what happened was the judge ruled that they were going to throw out my no compete due to some language that was in there that, you know, wasn't congruent all the way through it. One said, uh, one paragraph said I couldn't do this. The other paragraph said I could. So they threw it out. So, you know, as far as evidence, they don't have to do any of that till trial. And so we had, so we, and this was all going on during COVID. And, you know, they right. shut all the courts down and everything. So that took forever. Uh, judge ruled on it. They're allowed to file for a reconsideration or whatever. In the meantime, my judge retired, so I got a new one. They ruled on it. Then, uh, So then they get a chance to appeal again. And in the state of Mississippi, when they appeal a judge, it either goes to the appellate, the Mississippi Appeals Court, or Mississippi Supreme Court. So we went to the appeals, and then they ruled that, you know, that the judge made the ruling that the words weren't uh, – or that it was ambiguous or whatever was right. But in the state of Mississippi, it's not final unless it goes to the Supreme Court. So when they refiled the briefings, it had to go to the Supreme Court. And uh so now now that's where we're at. So I've been out of I've been out of my no compete uh non solicitation for two years. And uh, you know, they're still uh they're still claiming damages, but like I said, I, I think it's just purely vindictive. I mean, I, I didn't take any of their customers. Hey guys, it's Bradley. Look, are you tired of spending endless hours searching for potential business prospects? Look no further. With Leo, you can gain access to a whopping 40 million businesses. That's 40 million prospects in just seconds. Say goodbye to painstaking searches and hello to efficiency. You guys know I'm all about efficiency. Leo just isn't about speed, though. It's about accuracy, too. With Leo's cutting-edge tools, you can validate new producers faster than ever before. No more wasted time on unreliable data. Leo's got you covered. But that's not all. Leo empowers you to carve your own niche market using unparalleled data insights. Want to target specific dates for workers' comp? Done. Need to identify brokers or carriers to focus on? Leo has your back. And here's the icing on the cake, guys. Leo lets you search prospects based on size, revenue, dates, violations, and more. The possibilities are literally endless. Step into a world of business possibilities with Leo. Revolutionize the way you connect, target, prospect, and succeed. Don't miss out. Join the Leo community today. Go to meetleo.com, and when you go to book a demo or reach out to them, put in the how did you hear about us field that you heard about them on the Insurance Guys podcast or IGP for short. You'll get 20% off. Talk to the folks at Leo. Highly recommend them. Thanks, guys. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. 
guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50 plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. So... Here we are. Y'all started in 2019. I assume that the company, the agency that you were with, at, at some point in time, pretty soon after that, started sending the cease and desist letter and all that. And then that led to all the stuff that led you guys to where you are today. So that's, that's what, five years now that y'all been, mm-hmm. you know, uh, paying attorneys to kind of get through. The, did, did, did y'all ever go into a a mediation with each other to try to work it out and see if maybe we could avoid all this or is it just that ain't going to work? We've tried and, you know, we did. I tried to work a buyout for my book when I left. I tried to do this. You know, we tried to settle. uh, And every time they just, I mean, come back silly. I mean, you know, my book, they want three times what my book was even at this point when I'm out of it to settle it. So I'm just like, you know, I'm good. And, and Russell, Ru- Russell has been through part of this too, which is nuts for an early partnership. Well, and keep in mind, um, it is not United risk or Russell that has been sued um, or that had a non-compete or anything like that. So, um, you know, when they subpoena me for my records and things that I've done, I'll give them whatever they want. Right. I didn't, you know, I, I have nothing to hide or nothing to, mm-hmm. 
you know, so when they did, um, now if they subpoenaed me now, I'm, I don't want to give them five years of my customers, sure, but sure. starting out, you know, in, in that first six months, that first year, I turn over, I give them my screen, my passwords, you know, it didn't sure. matter to me because I wasn't doing anything. Right. Right. So here's my question, Kale. My question to you is you come from a very different position than most people do. And the reason I say that is you are now an agency owner that founded your agency from being a producer. So from this non-compete, non-solicitation scenario, you're now able to look at it from the lens of both perspectives. You can Mm -hmm. see it from the perspective of the producer and what you've been through relative to that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then you're also able to see it, you know, there probably has to be a side of you that can see it from the agency owner perspective now too. That's Absolutely. A very, that's a very unusual perspective that most people don't have. They either, they either see it from the side of the producer or they see it from the side of the agency owner. But what now would do, what would you tell these agents out here if you're trying to, and I know you are trying to help them as they move down the road of, you know, hiring producers and, and, and there's producers that listen to this podcast. So give both sides of what you believe today relative to non-competes, non-solicitations that you, that you believe. I think it's right to be fair to both sides. And I, I think you see that more in our industry now. Yeah. Russell and I have worked on one that we will eventually put in place. And I think based off what I've been through, first thing you need to do is have some sort of mediation agreement already in the agreement, right? There's no reason to go to court and do all of this. You know, I mentioned uh, our partnership agreement. We have that in there where we're, every valuation is in there. And if there's a problem, we have a mediator and everything. Like it's already covered. I think that's important. And I've seen a couple other ones uh, down here. And when we do do it, we'll offer... You know, our agents, if they don't want to be here, I don't want to force them to be here. And I'll tell you what else you don't want to do. You don't want to force customers to be here that don't want to be here either. If they want to go with their agents, you do that. So I think it's important to work out a buyout part of that agreement. I mean, and that takes care of all your mediation issues there. No matter what it is, you know, if you want to be whatever that multiple is that you're happy with, Right. And then I've even seen them down here where that multiple is a little bit higher. If you go to a competitor, you know, if you're not only taking business from my shop right here, you're going to go across the street to my competitor and take it over there. You pay a little bit more for that. And sure. I think that's, uh, I think that's important. I do feel like making employees, the second part of it, and I'll tell you this from the producer side, and this has been my biggest struggle with getting this put in I'm over at this other shop and they did business a different way than I did. And I'm sitting over here building up this book of preferred clients and everything. And, and I'm in my mid to late twenties. They're much older. All of a sudden, my biggest concern became what's going to happen when they sell this thing here. I built up this book customers. I care about, I like what I'm doing. Nobody makes me do anything. So producer, my biggest thing and what led to me leaving amongst a lot of other things was if they went and sold that book, I'm kind of at that point, I still got my no compete. I got my no solicitation. I got all that. Now it's with somebody I don't even know. Mm. So that's been my biggest wrestle with what we'll do with ours is how 
to make our employees feel comfortable with the fact that, you know, if, you know, somebody comes up tomorrow and makes Russell and I a stupid offer that we just can't say no to, that they have an option or two here. They can buy their book out or, you know, if, if they build up a big book and they quit, they get paid out over, you know, a percentage over so many years if they leave the industry altogether. But that way they get some reward for bringing, because we didn't do this by ourselves. You know what I'm right. saying? Russell and I, we do a lot. We didn't do this by ourselves. We we have a bunch of people that have helped us along the way and how to make them feel safe uh, and secure. When you ask someone to sign a document like that, it comes around. Uh, eventually, that question will cross that producer's mind. And there has to be some sort, in my opinion, of comfort level there that they know that if something like that happens, they have an out or they can buy out or, you know, they can leave the industry and, and you know, maybe they get 20% for five years or 30% for four years or something like that. I don't know. We haven't figured that out. That's why we hadn't done it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's something that I wrestle with as an agency owner, and I used to be a producer. You know, I've thought a lot about implementing something to where, you know, if you're with our agency for some period of time, let, let's just say three years. I like three years. Three years means you, you know, it's not a year and it's not five years, but three years is to me, if you've been there three years, you put in a pretty good bit of work and doing something where, uh, at the, at your three year anniversary, maybe, maybe I start giving that particular producer X percentage of their book, almost as gifting it to them mm -hmm. based on that work anniversary. And as you continue to grow your book of business over, let's say a 10 year period, cause 10, 10 years, long time, maybe you max that out at the 10 year period. So like periodically at the three year, five year, seven year, 10 year, each year you're getting them some percentage to then you get to a final at the 10 year anniversary, you get this much percentage of your book of business, whether that be you leave. And I say, here, I'm gifting you this because you want to go out on your own or say I sell out. Well, we take, figure out, okay, as part of that sellout, your book accounted for this much of that. And so that the percentage you have now is coming back to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I've seen that in others, you know, where, yeah. you know, they have a buyout provision where it just exactly like you said, and it right. does say, you know, Hey, if, if you're 30% of the book, we agree that, 10 years you got 25 percent of that you get that whatever that multiple is you can pass that along or you know that there's that the profit share or something like that because i'll tell you once you get in my opinion and what i've seen you get somebody that takes ownership of their job and what they do and everything like that more important than money after that is that that um security or feeling yeah or sense of ownership yeah. yeah because what you're getting for what we just talked about is almost like, um, you know, on paper, you're not listed as an agency owner, but, but Russell's right. You almost are giving them a form of ownership in the agency that's, that's based on their production. You, you want to, you know, you want to be a millionaire when you retire, write a bunch of business. And depending on how much ownership I give you, you can back into the math of what you're going to make when Scott or, whoever kale whoever sells the agency does that does that make sense yeah, yeah absolutely and then the the hard one for me though and maybe you've already figured this out i don't know how do you 
in my mind, it's easier to do that for producers because numbers don't lie. There's a number there. You know what their retention ratio is. You know what type of business they're writing. That, to me, is a pretty easy calculation. Where the, where the water gets muddy is how do you do that same thing that I just talked about for account managers Yeah, who, who have been with you for 10, 15, 20 years. Now you're going to sell and get the big check. Same same scenario here. There, there, there's probably a part of them that's thinking, "Well, Scott's going to get a big check, and I'm I'm going to get nothing." No. And, and I don't I don't know. I'm sure there's somebody listening to this right now, jumping up and down, going, "I know exactly how to do that." <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to figure out what that number should be. Maybe it should just be work anniversary. Maybe it should be you know, if you work here five years as an account manager. Uh, maybe it's based on the number of accounts that you service or whatever, you're going to get this much. I, I don't know, but there has to be some model for that as well. Because in my opinion, you know, I always tell you guys on this podcast, the money and in insurance is not made in new business. The money and in insurance is made in renewals. Well, how do you keep renewals? Having great account managers that do their job and do it well and can talk to clients and, you know, people that, when you talk to a client, they always brag about what a great job your account manager does when they call with a billing question or, or something and, and uh, or certificate. So I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to calculate that. Do you have any thoughts on that guys? Those, uh, those numbers are so much harder to back into, right? Cause there's no, they're subjective. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe everybody right here, like our, management system gives us an idea of what our retention is but just with the way everybody does things different you can't you know whole stock that and, and believe it so that makes it harder but i will tell you and, and russell will tell you too you know we can't do what we do even close without the help that we got and and that's the i mean I, i'm a sales guy right i came from sales so that's probably the the less they're the more thankless job around here the sales, because I get that. I understand that. Sure. I'm with you 100%. I, I can't figure that out, and I've wrestled with that. Yeah, that's a tough one, but I think we need to figure it out because you guys seem like you're a lot like I am, and you've said it, I believe, twice since we've been on this podcast. Like, wh whatever happens, let's say it's 15, 20 years from now, and you sell out, and you get the big check. You weren't the only one. You damn sure weren't the only one that was part of, of you getting that big check. Like if, if you were sitting there, Kale or Russell by yourself, nobody else in the office, you're, you're it. You're well, you wouldn't be getting a big check because you probably couldn't have more than about a million dollar book of business. Cause all you're going to be doing servicing what you got and answering billing questions and claims and everything else. So there, there's a lot of people that are part of the cog of that machine that assisted you with getting that big check. Now, are you going to take that and go deposit it into your check-in or savings account and tell everybody buy, or are you going to spread that love out amongst your entire staff? I mean, I, I remember one of the first agencies I ever worked for while I was there and I was only there for like two years, but they're not, they're now like a hundred million dollar agency. I'm sorry, two months, two months, not two years, but I only worked there for like two months. But in that two month time frame, there was a lady that retired that had been a damn account manager there. You know, she looked like she was about 75 years old. She'd been an account manager there for like 30 years. And I remember thinking like, I, I, I should have asked like, well, you know, she's retiring. 
what did y'all do to to provide for what did she have a 401k did she you know what was did y'all give her some kind of buyout and she had some i don't know i don't know but this is a hundred million dollar agency and she was the very first account manager that ever worked there and she was retiring and i just remember thinking like i wonder how they did that i wonder how they you know position that to allow her to be able to retire and uh i I don't know the answer i don't know the answer somebody out there does though and and hopefully we will one day when we get there we'll give you a call and let you know 100 percent 100 percent. now i I can tell you one thing you can do and i think it's easier than i originally thought it was uh i've talked to carrie wallace and bradley has too there is a way to set up what is called an uh, an ESOP, an employee sponsored ownership program. And I was told three, two or three years ago that you had to have at least $5 million in revenue each year in order to set that up. Since that time, I believe Bradley has had a conversation with Carrie Wallace that said, no, you, you can set it up earlier than that. But that is another way that you can provide some form of ownership to every person that that comes into your agency obviously there's like some you have to stay there for some period of time to qualify but that's another answer to that is is setting up like an esop but guys you and i both know for every penny that you're paying to one of these other people that were a big part of that agency that's that's a penny not going in your checking or savings account when you sell out so there's that tightrope that you're walking of you don't want to give it all away but you also don't want to take the whole thing and leave the people that have been there for 10, 15, 20 years to help you grow and build that agency and they don't get a dime. There there has to be a there has to be some medium there, if that makes any sense. You know? Well, as you mentioned at the beginning, we have a whole gaggle of kids around here. So hopefully, you know, the plan is that is uh that's where this goes later down the road and they'll just pay us into the uh <laughs> You know, retirement home, but uh, we got a ways between now and then. That's right. Russell, I just uh, I want to tell you something, man. I, I remember you pulling me aside at the One City World Tour, and I, and I was already emotional that night, but you were talking about listening to the podcast and how it had helped y'all kind of get started, I guess. I really appreciate – I really appreciate – I've thought about that uh, numerous times, about that conversation, and it it helps me – on days like Sunday when I've got 16 different things going on and I have to talk on my phone all the way to Mobile six hours, but it kind of helps me get down here and get going, conversations like that. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, and, and we really do appreciate it. I mean, there's no way I would be where I'm at today without Kale and the Insurance Guys podcast. Well. Thank I you. mean, it's helped me make friends all over the country, all over the, the nation in insurance. Right. Um, you know, from Carrie Bell Wallace. I mean, we we talk on Facebook all the time. I mean, she is an amazing person, and we will definitely be reaching out to her and the agency focus team. You know, Aaron Robertson's another one, man. These, these guys, Daniel Sayon, all these guys are so helpful, and it's such a community. And, and I mean, y'all are just an amazing group of people to uh, learn from and to grow with and to share ideas with. It's been super, super helpful. I know they appreciate you saying that. And I will say that everybody you just mentioned and Bradley, you know, we, we, we do try to not only help people 
from the standpoint of just information on the podcast, but then also when they do reach out to us now here lately, I've been so busy. There've been times where, you know, somebody sent me something. The the worst way to get in touch with me is like to DM me on some social media network and maybe I'm not friends with you. So it goes into some, because I'm 51 years old. I don't know how all this shit works, but I'll get like a, I'll get like an email on my Twitter inbox, but it doesn't show up because I'm not connected with a person. And then one day, a month later, I'll look up and I'll see like, I've got two messages in there and I'll click on it and it'll be like a six paragraph thing from somebody needing help with something. And I'm like, well, damn, it's August 24th today. And they sent this June the 15th. That's tough. I, I, I always get back with them. Like, I'm so sorry. I just saw this. If, if you still need me, here's my email address. Email me, you know, so that's tough when I get those. I've had a couple of those lately. Yeah. It, and, you know, just the uh, the outreach from One City World Tour. And uh, I, I mean, we have communications with Jeremy Powers all the time, you know, just from where are you at on your book of business? What can we do to help you? How can you help us? I mean, the conversation is just ongoing. It's so nice to be able to relate to other agency owners and other producers to figure out if we're on the right track and, sure. you know, which way we should go from here and what to do with this problem or that situation. Since Bradley's not here, I'm going to ask y'all a question. We'll see if he listens to the podcast or not. I'm a big fan of just asking pointedly what people want. So as, as podcasts, listeners not just guests but listeners what are some things that are are a topic that maybe we haven't covered that you wish we would so that you could listen to it and just find out what somebody that's an expert in that knows about anything i know i put you on the spot i'm sorry you know i've been wanting to start a podcast and really just don't have a direction of how to do it i've got great ideas i've got the niche that i want to go after and so now I'm trying to research equipment. I'm trying to research the, you know, just exactly how to do it. And so, uh, you know, maybe a behind the scenes of what uh, what goes on in equipment and technology and things like that. You know, David Carruthers' book does a lot with telling you what to do and how to do it. But I'm just so far out of the game. I didn't know exactly how to do it. But um I do have some great ideas and a great niche that I'm going after. And I think, uh, you know, once we get moved in our new office that uh, I'm actually sitting in the new office now without uh, everything set up and ready to go. But, I, you know, I, I'm going to set it up and get a podcast studio going in there and we're going to get to work on it. But I will pass that along to Bradley. I don't think that's going to be a lot that you're going to need. I've got Rand sitting here with me. He's kind of running the board today as far as the podcast uh, studio that we're in right now. Rand would, I think, would agree with me if I was just starting a podcast. I mean, this is this is like I'd put this up against any, maybe not Joe Rogan. I'm sure Rogan's is much more elaborate, but I mean, he made a hundred million dollars from Spotify. So. But I, I, besides that, I, I don't know of anybody that has a podcast studio. I mean, we got ten or fifteen, twenty thousand dollars just in cameras sitting around here, pointing at me and pointing at y'all. You don't need all that, not to start with. Would you agree? I think you can start it for a lot less than that. But yeah, I think that's a great thing to have Bradley kind of help cover in a podcast, maybe with just he and I, because I mean, I don't think we really need anybody else to 
help us with that. Um, but yeah, we can do that. We can talk equipment, microphones, you know, what, what the bare bones would need to be to get one started. And then, you know, uh, another piece of advice I give people is hell, if you don't have the equipment, use your phone and start it with just doing Facebook lives because you'd be surprised how many people listen to Facebook, you know, watch Facebook lives. But yeah, I'm going to pass that along to him. And the next time we batch file, which will be in a couple of months, I will uh, do my dead level best to get he and I on a podcast to just talk about basically the title will be, so you think you want to start a podcast and let him tell more in depth on, okay, here's what you got to have. Here's what would be nice to have. Here's the platform that we use. I think the platform we use now is called Megaphone, but we, we do still have a, a podcast editor. Uh, Johnny Gwynn with Deep Fried Studios. He cuts out all my ands and ums and <laughs> makes it, you know, smoother as it, you know, flows through. Every time one of us says the word and or um or we've got a dead space, he takes all that out. And then he posts the title and all that stuff and and sends it out to the interwebs. But yeah. Yeah, I, I met Johnny at uh with Deep Fried at Bradley's open house. Yep. That's for right. his uh, grand opening. That's right. That's right. But, uh, guys, I appreciate you being on the show today. I've got to uh, take these headphones off and head back to Huntsville, Alabama. Well, Pine Ridge, Alabama, to be exact. But y'all come see us, and thank you so much for being on the show. And I hope one day soon you can get closure to uh, what's probably taking up a lot of uh, headspace for you for some time. The wheels of justice move slow. They damn sure do. That's right. (laughs) Russell? been great to see you today brother we love you thank you i appreciate it we love you too guys you are listening to the insurance guys podcast and as i end every episode rewards come from action not discussion get your ass out from behind that desk today and do what these guys did back in 2019 they did a lot of things right they found each other they didn't just talk about it they did the damn thing And sometimes in life, you just got to climb up on that high dive and jump off. That's kind of what they did. And I I say that because I've heard more of their story than they even talked about today. But you just got to get out there and do it. And then the second part of that is, as I end every episode, become the mayor of your village. And you need to make sure every single person in the town like Gulfport, Mississippi, that you live in, when they think about the word insurance, they connect that to you. So you want to become the insurance guy or girl in your community. And then you got to write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Rand, I love you. Guys, you're listening to the Insurance Guys podcast and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. We'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.